What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. is a system, Neil. That system is our enemy. When you're inside, you look around, what do you see? Businessmen, teachers, lawyers, carpenters, the very minds of the people we are trying to save. But until we do, these people are still a part of that system and that system and that makes them our enemy. Have to understand, are not ready to be unplugged. And many of them are so inert, so hopelessly dependent on the system that they will fight to protect it. Thank <laughs> you. 
What's up, y'all? Let's stop this damn music, man. My damn phone. <sighs> What's up, David? Y'all can hear me? How y'all doing this Sunday morning? <laughs> How's everybody doing? Uh, hope y'all having a, a blessed morning as I am. It's another day on God's, you know, green, beautiful earth. Another day to make a difference. You know, another day to be great. Another day to liberate. Um, I I, I want to talk about this morning. Actually, actually, I have a couple of things going on this morning. This is going to be a busy, you know, a busy intellectual week for me. Uh, just let me give some context to the Great Liberators radio show. What we are and what our what our niche is, is dealing with nuance. That's what my vision for the show always was. That's why I called it the Great Liberators sophisticated black intellectualism operating in the in the nuances of issues because many times on these issues the truth is somewhere in the middle and it doesn't lie in the black and white but it's many times in the great and so that's what i wanted to bring a fresh perspective a different take uh, uh using logic reason critical thinking and objectivity to tra to traverse the issues that tend to to divide us we are not necessarily ideologues we don't necessarily subscribe to a particular type of ideology um but what we do do is look at issues from from both sides understanding that these things have various intersecting points looking at the omnidirectionality of of various issues and so that is that is our niche that is our goal to give instruction to give commentary to give a certain level of insight and understanding to things and this is something that we wanted to be focused with, you know, with our people. Um, and, and that's what we're that's what we're we're getting back to. This is why I took the break from from YouTube, because dealing with the the ignorance um, in a particular sector of black YouTube that I was dealing with, it's easy to get bogged down with that negative energy. And you'll lose sight. All right, can y'all hear me? No matter how one, no matter how unpopular the message, there's always an audience. Um, and so that's what 
where, you know, that's the direction we're going in. So I'm going to have a busy, you know, a busy week, a, a busy intellectual intellectual week dealing with different things. Um, this evening, I'm going to be on my blog talk show, the Great Liberators Radio Show. We're going to be dealing with this black Hebrew Israelite farce and much of the misogyny. And, you know, much of the misogyny that is uh, that is prevalent when it comes to when it comes to that particular um, community and how these things have have, you know, turned into real tangible. Um, <laughs> nobody stepped on the corner court. I don't know why it, it, it does that every now and then. It's stream yard. I'm just now getting used to it. God, man. But. um. Yeah, I'm going to be dealing with the Hebrew Israelite community, um, a lot of the bullshit that goes on with these dudes, how they how they look to exploit women, take take advantage of women. Um, and and, you know, just expose a lot of a lot of the, the crap that goes on with those guys. So I'm going to be doing that this evening. That's going to be on blog talk. The, the number for that show is five one six four one eight fifty four fifty seven. Tuesday. This Tuesday at noon, I'm going to be actually debating J.B. Gunner. This is the individual who uh, had a scrape with RBR, and apparently it wasn't a good showing for RBR. Um, he's going to be on my platform, and we're going to be debating entitlements. Because we know that the very basis for the word entitlement is a, is a stigma to suggest or imply that there's a group of people getting something that they haven't earned or that they haven't deserved. And when we talk about entitlements, nothing could be further from the truth. Uh, what you have with many of these neoconservatives, you have liberals calling liberals a liberal. That's what you have. Uh, and, and within a larger context, text of that briefly, we have to understand that the government as we understand it, America as we understand it, was founded upon liberal principles. It was founded upon liberal principles, Lockean philosophy and, and theories about, uh, about government. So that served as much of the basis for the Declaration of Independence, the United States Constitution, etc. So I'm going to be dealing with that uh, Tuesday. Today, what I have on the ledger, I want to break down uh, briefly the dilemmas of black manhood and womanhood. Hey, Miss Blue Love, focused this morning specifically on black women and the ways in which white society has weaponized and vilified her emotionally. And what we have to understand as black men and black women is that these things are relevant and present for both of us. There are dilemmas that arise from, from being black and from being male for black men. And conversely, there are dilemmas that arise from being black and female for black women. This is the absolute truth. Much of the vitriol and the venom that exists between black men and black women, at least in social media, 
these arise from internalization of whiteness, of our concepts and our constructs about what manhood is and what womanhood is. But these are constructs that exist in the mainstream of, 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 of white thought, of whiteness as we understand it. Whiteness as a social construct. That's why I put a video up talking about it um, briefly, understanding whiteness as a social construct. And what that means. Something else I'm going to be getting to is this idea of the social contract. Not today, but just I'm just you know talking about this while it's on my mind. I'm going to be talking about the social contract because David and I had a little exchange on one of my videos. And and see, this is the privilege that arises from being a white male, because when you talk about the social contract, con contract, what you are essentially talking about is institutionalized rape. <laughs> that's what you're talking about. That's a nice way of saying institutionalized rape, where we control all of the apparatuses of the society in order to garner sexual acquiescence out of the subjugated group. And it's particularly curious that you have brothers who buy into this type of thinking when they would do the same thing to black men. This is how white women were able to rape black men because of the social contract, because it was their men who had unilateral control over the systems and the apparatuses of the American society. See, and so the institutionalized belief of white male superiority, white male dominance, that white men are the inherent social dominant group are problematic when the fact is, is that white men have not built anything within a vacuum. The, 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 the first blood shed on this, on this country's foundation was the blood of a black man. So how is this intrinsic inherent dominance of white men evident? So that's, I'm going to be dealing with that. When you say social contract, social contract, what you really mean is institutionalized rape. Now, aside from that, I want to deal with the topic at hand this morning. Anyone who's been privy to black YouTube, the particular sector I was dealing with. What you have would have found is. Ignorance. Anger. Obstinance and just an overall lack of empathy one for another. And if anybody who understands me understands how I came on YouTube, understands how I started podcasting, you know that that is not my natural disposition. That's not my natural disposition. That's not what I'm about naturally. So, what I want to do, I want to talk about how. The culture that exists within American society has placed this stigma and stipulation on black women. And unfortunately, we've internalized it, not just black men, but also black women, because the truth is you do have many sisters who engage in behaviors in a disposition that give the stereotype relevance. 
if you've listened to me at any length of time, you've heard me talk about the brute caricature, which is how they have always portrayed black men, and the Jezebel caricature, which is how they portrayed the black woman. That Jezebel caricature is rooted in her hypersexuality. See, and as brothers, we want to buy into that. But see, what they, what we don't understand is that what they put on the black woman is a reflection of you. That's why they're putting it on her. See, in many of the ways that we view black women, these other out, out, outer ethnic and racial groups view you in the same light. This is why I told brothers, tell me one group of patriarchal men that's happy to see their daughter dating you. The same stereotypes and stigmas that you, you, you put on sisters, they put on you. So they're going to say you're STD field. They're going to say all you create is bastard children. They're going to say all you're hypersexual. See? The, the very way they have portrayed our bodies as black men and black women has been in the service of white domination in an effort to dehumanize and over-sexualize not just black women, but also black men. This is where the idea of the well-endowed black male comes from. That's a racial stereotype. And we're so colonized so deluded morally and ethically that as black men, we love that stereotype. We love the stereotype of being this sexually viral male because we've internalized the idea of what white manhood is. We've internalized that. See, we have internalized that. That is a, that is a racist myth. The earliest iterations of anti-Africanness, not blackness, but Africanness, because at this time, blackness was not a social construct. Oh, whiteness wasn't a social construct. But anti-Africanness is found in the Babylonian Talmud, where they say that because Ham, the curse of Ham, was Africans being, being cursed with dark skin and elongated penises. But here today, as, as de facto sambos, we buy into that stereotype. When that stereotype has been the very basis for the subjugation, murder, and dehumanization of black men. Likewise, they did the same thing with sisters the way they portrayed their derrieres, the way they portrayed their hips, the way they portrayed their bodies. So we have to understand that. We have to understand that. The name that this, the term, should I say, that this stereotype is known as is the sapphire caricature. The sapphire caricature which portrays black women as hand on her hip, big, belligerent, loud, overbearing, and emasculating. And unfortunately, you have sisters who hop on YouTube every day and do black womanhood a disservice by reinforcing 
that stereotype. As I've gone back and listened to many of the panels I've been on, I've become ashamed of myself, ashamed of the way I acted, ashamed of the way I communicated, ashamed of the entire discourse. Because what it displayed is it didn't display us in a positive light. Not just me, but all of us. Screaming, hollering, yelling, insults. But yet we all want to we all want to claim to be intellectuals. But can't even articulate a point without being civil, without being patient, without being insulting or 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 condescending. So it wasn't a good look. If we want to be honest, many times Brothers have done ourselves a disservice by the way we act, by how we portray these images about ourselves, the idea of the super predator. Same thing is true for sisters. And the first part of alleviating a problem is education. So my goal this morning, very briefly, is to educate you all or all those who will listen. Supreme King Coon, best way to beat a stereotype is not to portray any of said stereotypes qualities. However, if black women act along with the stereotype, then it isn't a stereotype, it's truth. I agree with that. What's up, Dallas Cowboys? I agree with that to an extent because we know that all stereotypes have some truth, have a grain of truth. But I think the larger issue here is, is you put the stereotype out to see the behavior psychologically. To psychologically see the behavior. This is why I talked about the strong woman, the strong black woman. We have to understand that it was the system of white supremacy that defeminized the black woman, that masculinized the black woman, that intimated to the black woman her I, her strength is rooted in her ability to be dominant domineering and obstinate with her black man so you put the stereotype out into the culture to see the behavior see so it's a binary thing white supremacy cannot exist and function without black inferiorization so i do agree with your assessment to an extent but what i don't want to do is make this a blame black woman thing that's not what i've been trying to do what i want to do is show how we all have been subverted by the the american cultural ideas and cues about manhood and womanhood that is rooted in whiteness. And when we do that, we automatically disqualify ourselves from certain things because there's nothing we can do about being black. It's a forced identitarian classification. And so that's what I'm going to be aiming to do this morning. 
So maybe next time when you're on a panel with a sister, if she hears this video, she'll be more reticent to engage in that type of behavior. See? So uh, that's that's the goal. I don't want to point fingers. I don't want to denigrate black women. I don't want to denigrate black men. The goal should be edu educating one another, educating ourselves. Being autodidactic when it comes to cultivating a better crop of black men and black women. If that's what we say we want. And I thought that's what everybody said they wanted. So with that, <clears throat> I actually have two guests coming on. And also at 1145, damn, it's 1130. I'm going to have to push it back. But I'm going to be debating a, 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 this a African brother real. I'm not, it's not going to be long, but I'm going to be debating him because he caught wind of my ADOS video and, and he has a problem with it. <laughs> you know, so I'm going to do that briefly too. And then I'm going to get off of here. But, um, no, nah, I mean, no, no, David, this is, these are, these are stereotypes. You know what I'm saying? These are stereotypes. When we talk about the mammy caricature, the sapphire caricature. These are stereotypes. Um, so let, let me do this. I got a, I got an email. Um, let me see. How do I? Okay. Hold on, y'all. I got to, I got to send, a, I got to send two emails. Uh, uh, uh. Okay. Okay. Invite. Uh, okay. Gmail. I just got to send two emails. Uh, cause I actually have two new co-hosts who, who are going to be joining me on my, uh, podcast. And she's going to, she's going to join me on this real briefly and just talk about how she's her experiences with this. Um, so once I once I send these emails out, I'm going to I'm going to read some literature about what I'm talking about. It's not like I'm just making this up. <clears throat> OK, let me send that. Hmm, that didn't work. Oh, OK, I see what I did. All right, Von Shea, I sent that that first email. Now uh, y'all know my brother Cass is is always with me. Oh, hold on, so I'm I'm emailing him, and then we'll we'll get into it. It's not gonna it's not gonna be long. So I'm not gonna read the whole the whole uh, all of the literature. Just gonna get some bullet points out of it, and I'm probably gonna you know single some people out. Not in a not in a disparaging way but just to show how we do ourselves more harm than good many times uh okay exactly dre he he's exactly right he says tearing down white supremacy correlates with tearing down the black woman's perceived notion of strength are black men ready to withstand that fire exactly and and this is why I've been trying to bring a certain level of understanding to these things. And you, you, we could disagree, but you know, this is just what it is. 
Um, I have no interest in in being at war with black women. I think it's I think it's easy to do that. David Monroe said, "In slavery, you act how master tells you how master tells you to." But what about after slavery? Well, David, these things become culturized, brother. Like, like we got to realize that it becomes culturized, and so you, you know, sisters have this has become a certain culture. You know, this has become a certain culture, and and you know, it, it's unfortunate, but that's what it is. Now, do we want to complain about it or do we want to solve it? That's my thing. If you if you notice if you listen to if you listen to me over there, I, I I don't try and discredit people's uh you know people's experiences i don't try and invalidate what they're saying I'm, i try to understand where they're coming from I, I i think that is the hallmark of of being an intellectual are we are we intellectuals or are we ideologues see that's my thing and this is why i'm like i don't subscribe to red pill and all these different things because that would mean i'm an ideologue and i'm not i'm i i, I pride myself on being an intellectual um, and on and, and part of doing that is being objective and not personalizing issues, and that's what I've tried to do. All right, hold on, I'm still sending this. Um, okay, all right, so I'm gonna let me put the screen share on. Screen share, share. <clears throat> and if anybody wants to wants to educate themselves on the various stereotypes and caricatures that have that have been portrayed about black men and black women, this is an excellent site right here. The Jim Crow Museum of Racist Memorabilia. And what we have here is can y'all see that? What we have here is the sapphire caricature. That's the sapphire caricature. I got 28 people watching. Get the get the likes up for me, y'all. Get the likes up. Um, all right. So this is the sapphire character caricature. And I'm gonna be reading from um, you know, I'm gonna be reading from it. And look, David, uh David, look, this is what I want you to do. <laughs> hey, David, when I read this first part, I want you to type the name of the individual that comes to mind when i read this all right is that a deal <laughs> supreme king coon you could do it too when i read this i want y'all to type the name of the individual that this sounds like all right all right so here we go it says the sapphire caricature portrays black women as rude loud malicious stubborn and overbearing this is the angry black woman popularized in the cinema and on television. She is tart-tongued and emasculating, one hand on a hip, the other pointing and jabbing, violently and rhythmically rocking her head, mocking African-American men for offenses ranging from being unemployed to sexually pursuing white women. She is a shrill nagger, with irrational states of anger and indignation and is often mean-spirited and abusive. Although African-American men are her primary targets, 
She has venom for anyone who insults or disrespects her. The Sapphire's desire to dominate and her hypersensitivity to, injustice, to injustices make her a perpetual complainer, but she does not criticize to improve things. Rather, she criticizes because she is unendingly bitter and wishes that unhappiness on others. Now, who that sound like to y'all? <laughs> David said, David said, Cynthia G and most of my exes. <laughs> but this sounds like Cynthia. And I'm not taking a shot at Cynthia. I'm not taking a shot. I actually, I actually regret ever saying anything disparaging about Cynthia. You know, I, I value my friendship, so I, I regret saying saying anything disparaging about her. But this sounds like Cynthia. Like this is how many times Cynthia would come across. And even though it's not, it may not have been what she was trying to do. This is what it. This is what it sounds like. And see, you can't when like when you're dealing with with brothers, you can't be tone deaf in the way that you're levying your criticisms. The criticisms could be valid. But the moment you begin to communicate like that, then it's going to cause the brothers to get defensive, too, and vice versa when brothers deal with sisters. Like if you go back, if you go back and listen to my first time I was on O'Shea's Sunday Royal panel. I tried to be conciliatory to sisters. And I, I even told them, go back and, and listen how you guys are talking and communicating with these brothers. See, it's, it, it, we, we've, it's become culturally normal for sisters to have this disrespectful disposition when it comes to black men. And how do you think you're going to get anything done like that? How do you think that's going to work? See, and then wanting to use black men's position in the racial order as a means to disparage not only his his manhood but his his very humanity and then we wonder why we can't have long lasting relationships that are fruitful and that are whole see this is the way we communicate with one another and I, I talked about this on Facebook. When we talk about communication, when we talk about language, these things are inherently feminine. Because the, the first communication a child gets is from his mother while he's in the womb. This is how we this is how we were able to develop language, language and speech patterns. Our first communicator, our first conduit of information is our mother's. See, and sisters, while talking and conversing with brothers, can have very legitimate gripes, and it come and, and it comes across as emasculating. Asking questions like, "What have black men done for respect?" as if we aren't as if we aren't human beings, and so when you when you take on that disposition, what you're suggesting is that there is a litmus for personhood. There is a litmus for humanity. As if that humanity is not evident. That's deeply cynical. <laughs>
See? Not understanding the, the nuances of what you're saying. What you're, the nuance is that black men aren't human beings. So you're dehumanizing black men when you ask, what have we done for respect? Suggesting that we have to do something to get respect as a human being. While, while saying you're against white supremacy, while also iterating white supremacist sentiments. And then wonder why we can't get anywhere. I'm going to go on. The Sapphire caricature is a harsh portrayal of, of African-American women, but it is more than that. It is a social control mechanism that is employed to punish black women who violate the societal norms that encourage them to be passive, servile, non-threatening, and unseen. We can have a discussion about that. I think that 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 goes, you know, that goes both ways. I think uh, in many ways there are, are are things that black women benefit from within the social order because they're they're black women. I think that's undeniable. Uh, uh, you know, competing interest exists over competing privileges. See, privilege is not just one thing. Privilege is not a monopoly. It's not a it's not a monopoly in a social order, in a societal context. Privilege is omnipresent. So competing interests exist over competing privileges. And so these things can intersect in many various ways and directions. The omnidirectionality of many of the issues we talk about. And so if we don't understand that larger context, we do ourselves a disservice when we talk about them from a one dimensional aspect. So I'm going to go on. I sent y'all the link, uh, Chaos and uh, Vanche. <clears throat> it says, Sapphire Stevens, from the 1800s through the mid-1900s, black women were often portrayed in popular culture as sassy mammies who ran their own homes with iron fists, including berating black husbands and children. Um, you know what? While I think about it, Um, if any of you guys who are listening, hit the like button for me. And if y'all have a Facebook page or a Twitter page, whatever it is, chaos, why are you calling me, brother? I'm on the air. Oh, hold on. <laughs> I don't know why chaos does that, man. He'll see me on the air and then he'll be calling. I'm like, yeah, I can't answer the phone. Oh, he on. Okay, okay. My fault. My fault. I stand corrected. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm not sure if you check if the streamer is very active when people know you're if somebody's in the back room, they should tell you. What you mean? Uh, what you mean? Like, like anytime if somebody like you send a link and somebody's in the back back room, it's usually. Oh yeah, it. yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. I, I see. <laughs> My fault. Hey, you know what's funny? Um, I was asking what time you start because I want to be mm. just right there when you start. Because I'm not sure we're getting notifications. I'm just checking my phone now and said. I, got, I know I got a notification. Like when I scheduled it, it didn't give me a notification, but when I went live, oh, it did. Man. I don't know, but continue, please. Continue. All right. Um, yeah. So if y'all have a, a Facebook, whatever social media y'all have, please, please share a, share a link for me. But let me go on and see what and see what I want to do is I want to show how these things are binary. See, they don't that like when 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 they 
put a negative stigma or stereotype on one of us, they're not excluding the other. There's going to be a counter to that that reflects on the other party negatively. That's the entire point. So even like, if, for example, if we talk about the whole the whore culture right now, that unfortunately, many sisters have bought into. She says she hadn't received it yet. Oh, OK, uh, Vanshe, hold on a second. Uh, shoot. Mm -mm -mm. Invite. She says she hadn't received it. All right, let me see. Maybe I sent it. Hold on, y'all. One more, one second. Go, go ahead. Uh, what's what's your thoughts on it, right quick, guys? I gotta send this this email link. Be honest with you, I just mm -hmm. tune in. The on factors say in regards <laughs> definition of Jezebel. Mm -hmm. If it that's what the definition is written, it probably makes a lot more sense. Um, mm. But like I said, I don't advocate this thing we call interracial squirrel or interspecies breeding, how the system wants a good portion of the black population here in the West and anywhere outside this um, country to start engaging interspecies um, mixing. Mm -hmm. Because when one species is dying off, you got to have something to replace it. And like nature, nothing really dies off quietly. Mm -hmm. They're going to go down with a fight. Yeah, I definitely want to understand why. Right. All right, Vanshe, I, I sent it again to the email you gave me. Let me know if you get it. Um, mm -hmm. What if I told you, Chaos, that yeah. I have a source? Mm -hmm. You're showing it? Yeah. I, know. I have a source that from the early, I can't remember when it, uh, the time period was written, mm -hmm. but it says that the estimates were 70 to 80 percent of Negroes are already mulatto. Mm. And what, how far ago was that? Oh, uh, I'd have to look at the book because I don't have it with me right now. Go to, ahead to go into that. We got to look at, say, when we, like I say again, interracial breeding. You know, the Negro, either the DNA wise or stuff, you got to look at, you know, what has happened to what we call the melee man, the, the dark skin man, the black skin right. man, and woman in centuries, you know, because we all know Egypt fall. Whatever reason it fell, it fell. And what you see, you see most of the people that were trying to keep their genetics, you know, sacred. Yeah. Um, like any other tribe or any nation at a time, when something is now at a crumble, what they do, America, they leave mm. and they go somewhere else to build another nation and community, right? Right. The ones that stayed or were caught up on it, what they did, they interbreed and intermingle with a new nation that mm -hmm. was going to be the ruler class, Greek and Roman history. You know, these what happened. So there are some people out here that still doesn't have what we call the mulatto mixing or what we call the Eurocentric or non-black gene in them. Right. Look at the Adam. We we'll look at the what's it called that place in um in India that people were talking about that. That Christian dude that got killed. Mm -hmm. That tribe still has the original genome that was left in ancient time. Same thing in some tribes in Africa. Right. Like, you know, Africa is a continent itself, very big continent. Now everybody got intimate with the um the Arab, which is a mixed mm -hmm. breed in itself, and the Caucasoid and the Asian. Right. You know? Right. So, well, um, hold on. I don't want to get too off the, the the beaten path. We we'll we'll come back to that uh yeah. at another time. I want to finish. I want to finish getting through this. 
Um, but my time running short, it's, it's 1150. Um, it said from the 1800s through the mid 1900s, black women were often portrayed in popular culture as sassy mammies who ran their own homes with iron fists, including berating black husbands and children. These women were allowed at least symbolically to defy some racial norms during the Jim Crow period. I just mentioned that when I was talking about that part up top. It says, when real blacks were often beaten, jailed, or killed for arguing with whites, fictional mammies were allowed to pretend to chastise whites, including men. Their sassiness was supposed to indicate that they were, as, they were accepted as members of the white family, and acceptance of that sassiness implies that slavery and that slavery and segregation were not overly oppressive. See that? Yeah. Good. Um, it says, uh, I lost my segregation was not overly oppressive. A well-known example of a sassy mammy was Hattie McDaniel, a black actress who played feisty, quick-tempered mammies in many movies, including Judge Priest. Uh, Music is Magic, The Little Colonel, Alice Adams, Saratoga, The Mad Miss Manton, and Gone with the Wind. In these roles, she was sassy, uh, but always loyal. She was not a threat to the existing social order. See that? Yeah. And I told that's what I was trying to, that's what I'd be trying to tell these sisters. You sitting here trying to live up to this damn myth of being strong and independent. This is a, this is the mammy caricature. And, and what you've done, hold on, hold on, okay, let me finish the point. And what you've done, you've inverted the meaning of mammy. See, because the mammy's existence was, it was twofold. It was to make sure white supremacy's execution from the dominant class to the subjugated class was absolute. And so in order to do that, she would have to have an emasculating effect on her male counterpart. And precisely because brothers have mothers she's in the she is the first conduit of the social stigma of making a a black man stay in his place knowing his place the mammy was the protector of the white man not the black man and what you have is many of these sisters that hop they hop their tails on uh on youtube facebook and use mammy incorrectly. So if a sister want to be down with a brother, you call her mammy. And then wonder why your homes and, and your community is desolate. Wonder where the men are. Well, you know, it, it goes back to people that are very stupid and don't know fucking words of definition of the word mammy. I did a stream on this months ago when I heard regular women, especially women that call themselves sisters, use that term incorrectly. Mm -hmm. And you know, right. you can't educate dumb fucking niggas. You know what I'm saying? Especially some women on here. That's it, it's still called. But it's like this. Isn't it ironic you call black females or black women men? Mm -hmm. And you're engaged in mammy behavior. Exactly. Men. Exactly. So, so this is this can't be used as a proper shame attack because down the line, when we and this is what this is my thing, I'm married. Mm -hmm. The American school system, public, charter, and all that stuff, they don't educate people. I'm going to say this again. The public, the charter, and private schools, depending on where you go at or where black people go to or other non-black people go to, they do not educate people. Right. The reason why I say this, because to be actually in a, a quest of education is a 
continual struggle. You mm-hmm. have to understand not only the written word, but the language. And the more you get a grasp, a grasp of it and keep honestly looking at these definitions of these words as we present us, you have a clear view of the coded language your so-called person use on you that we right. use on our own tongues. Right. Um, Vasha, you there? Yes, I'm here. Hey, how you doing this morning? This this is my new co-host, uh, co-host, y'all. This is uh Miss Vine Shay. She's gonna be uh co-hosting me, hon her, her, her cousin, sister cousins. <laughs> what you say, <laughs> All right. Um so you've been you've been listening in. What you, you I, I know as a black woman, what does it how does this stereotype um affect the way you're you're perceived and your interactions in in a larger American society? Well, um, I get the angry black woman label placed on me. Mm. Um, And you know what? Sometimes I am angry and I will tell you why. Um, I was I used to be angry all the time until I learned Mm. how to channel uh, my anger Mm. into different avenues but what I used to be angry about was um we always talk about um well when I meet people and then they learn about me and that's the first thing that they say is oh you're so strong and it's like well I was forced to be like this right I was grown to be strong because um starting from eight years old I never had a support system I was Mm -hmm. abandoned by both of my parents and I grew up in foster care and I'm the oldest of six kids. And um, I was always placed in adult situations, even as a child. But there was nothing that I could do about it because, um, you know, unfortunately, the adults in my life failed me. Mm -hmm. And they and I so that's where the being strong um, mindset is started from being eight years old, never having anybody to depend on or rely on or lean on or ask for help. I was always forced to figure everything out and solve not only my problems, but everybody else's problems. And I also not only had to think for myself, but Mm -hmm. think for everyone else. Right. Uh, And that brings me to where I'm at now. I'm 37 Mm -hmm. and um, I still don't really have a support system. I have developed relationships over the years um, that are emotionally supportive, um, but it's still basically the same thing. I have to take care of everyone. I have to do everything. um, And that's just how it's always been. Um, And I also have to remind people sometimes when I meet men sometimes and, you know, with me owning my own business and and just having a lot of things that I have established for myself. After my marriage, I I was married for 10 and a half years Um, and I meet people and they say, are you uh, what if you meet a man? Are you going to allow him to be a man? And it's like, well, I can't allow you to be something that you should already be being, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and if I met someone that wanted to come in and, and help me and be there for me, I would accept it. But people don't realize that that has never been offered to me, even when I was married. Help mm. and support and mm-hmm. financial support, things right. of that nature have never been offered to me, not only from my ex-husband, but uh, never from my children's fathers mm. or anyone else. 
if right. it was offered, I would accept it, but it's never been offered to me. And I meet uh, a large amount of black women where this is happening as well. Support, mm-hmm. financial support, emotional support, physical assistance. So think those things are not being offered, but if they were being offered, we would accept them. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Um, I mean, I, I mean, I get that. And see, this is Dr. W- uh, Wilson talked about this in her book, the ISIS papers. And, and many times what we call uh, uh, the black matriarchy is actually an imbalance because war is levied against the men. And, and, uh, and unfortunately, um, in many of these communities, uh, these closed communities, our communities, the men are, ren- are rendered ineffective for the most part. Uh, Donald Trump came out touting the lowest rates of African-American unemployment or whatever. That's a farce. That's a shell game. When we talk about unemployment, unemployment and joblessness are two different things. The unemployment numbers that they give you on the news, these are not the real unemployment numbers. They cook the books yeah. to, to give this this false perception of this wide, you know, widespread employability for Americans. You see what I'm saying? So so and and see, you know, we we engage in these tropes within this this gender war that I've I've graciously bowed out of because it's it's a sissy fan effort and it, it's it's unfruitful. But you know what we do, we use these tropes to disparage one another. If we talk about women and their and their choices in men, the fact is is that procreation is a lot is a lot like crime. It's all about proximity. When you look at the way the spatiality of the country is laid out and how segregated our communities are. There was a study that was done by the New York Times and they found that in urban black areas, the women outnumber the men by a wide margin. I've talked about this. W.E.B. Du Bois in his his, uh, study of the Negro family, he cited the gender asymmetry where the women outnumber the men in the urban environment. This creates a sexual, this creates an imbalance and it ramps up the sexuality of that area. See, so we never, we never want to give account for that. But then in that same study for the New York Times, when they went and looked in the white area, the men outnumbered the women. So it's going to be more balanced. See, this is the way they are able to influence certain things and cause certain things through their segregationist policies. See, segregation just isn't because white people don't want to be around you. It's a form of social, political and economic quarantine to create certain realities in our environments. Understanding that the environment is going to cause a behavior and the behavior is going to become a habit. And then that habit is going to become a culture. See, so this is how this is how they do it. So, you know, I get everything that you're coming from. And this is this is something I I hear from sisters um, about you know, the reality of, of what it's like being a black woman in, um, in American society, having to do for self, having to be self-sufficient. I have no problem with a sister being self-sufficient. The problem that I have is when you take on this moniker of being independent. See, being independent is different than being self-sufficient. There's nothing wrong with a woman being self-sufficient. The fact of the matter is, is that self-sufficiency is a requisite of adulthood whether you have a man or, or not, whether you have a husband or not, because even when a man and a woman are married, both of them have to be self-sufficient and have to be able to operate independently of each other 
for the greater good or the collective or the whole of the family unit. That's the way that's supposed to be. And what you have is you have many sisters who are self-sufficient and you have many you have many brothers who are codependent. Who look who are looking for a mama wife, these brothers who want mama wives and then those same brothers would be sitting up on YouTube somewhere trying to trying to cite Fantasia of why, even though as the woman you doing everything, you should be submitting to him. See, I'm going to get we're going to talk about that tonight with the, a lot of these damn Hebrew Israelite clowns um, who mm-hmm. type of behavior. You know, a sister called me the other day and she was telling me. You know, she was with this guy trying to give this brother a chance. He with this, you know, the Hebrew Israelite thing and he living with his mama and grandma, a grown ass man. But yet he wanted he wanted to try and tell her what to do and want to try and take her check. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because I'm the man. I'm the man. But haven't demonstrated one quantitative, qualitative leadership skill. So, you, so what it is, you think just because you have a dingaling, you're supposed to be in a preeminent position. You're supposed to be in the dominant position. That's not the way social hierarchies work. Social hierarchies are, are, supposed, are supposed to be based on competence. When you look at the agricultural revolution, how we get to where we are today, how we move from hunter-gatherer societies to the societies that we have now, which give us the first inferences of, of patriarchy, which is the first hierarchical social systems in our modern time. That was based off of competence because it was the advancements in agriculture that allowed resource hoarding, that ingratiated several women to one man, that necessitated paternity certainty of those men so they could pass what they acquired onto their heirs that give us the dynamic we have now. So companies, uh, uh, hierarchies have nothing to do with gender. So it's not just because I'm the man, well, I'm the man, no. Hierarchies are based on competence. And unfortunately, what my sister Vanshe laid out and just demarcated it, is the reality for many sisters where many times they're in relationships with men where they're more competent. See? And so this is why I said the strong black woman facilitates the weak black male. See, this is the reason why they masculinized the sisters. It's the reason why they gave them this, this full strength knowing that that template for operating would not be conducive to the larger American society and context because the context is a male-dominated context. So it's a male paradigm. And so because it's a male paradigm, only the males can oppose it. As my great brother Cerulean Gray always says, our mandate is to oppose the environment, the sexual dimorphic principles. (laughs) <laughs> What's up, Phantom? <laughs> the sexual dimorphic principles would put which put the anatomical, biological, and neurological and psychological differences between men and women is not so that the is not so that the man can lord over the woman. It's so he can oppose the environment. Conversely, the fact mm-hmm. that as the woman you have the life-giving, life-incubating source of your vagina and of your womb and of maternity is not given to you so you can use that and lord over the men with it. 
That's not what it's for. Trying to use our respective uh, uh, attributes that that come with our our gender and our biology to subjugate one another and then wonder why why we can't get along because you've internalized whiteness. That's why. That's why you can't get along. See, so oh, what you wanted to say something? Oh no! I was just clearing my throat. I, I was oh, okay. like, because I wanted to piggyback off of some of the points that you just made. Oh yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Well, to piggyback off, um, off of you, um, give me the example about um, the female um, who called you and was sharing with you her, you know, right. dating situation or mm-hmm. um, whatnot. Um, I live where I live. I live in Indiana and um, it's uh, the population is like, I live in Fort Wayne, Indiana. The population is like 265,000. And um, most of the men that I meet here, Mm -hmm. not only just myself, uh, many other women who I um, encounter and, and socialize with um, most men here and the cost of living here is low. Right. <clears throat> However, most of the men don't really make that much money. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they do make money, um, they do not want to be with one person. Yep. Um, they like to move around, as I call it. Mm-hmm. Um, and also for me, like since I make uh, good money, sometimes I don't with me being back in the dating field, I've been divorced for six years and I just started back dating. But right. most men who I meet, I don't even tell them up front that I own a company because then they start acting weird or, um, you know, making certain types of comments. Um, so... What if you're intimidated? <clears throat> right. Well, well I want to... Well, go, I'm sorry, okay. Vance, go ahead. Well, you know what? Um, I like to try to dissect that intimidation thing because when you look at intimidation, um, it basically means to be in fear of. So it's a lot of double talking going on, you know, going on. So it's like in one breath, you want us to be strong and independent and not need you. And then when you meet somebody like me who has a house, three cars, a business, uh, mm. a couple of businesses but um right. you meet me then you end up you the things that you say that you like about me essentially later on become a problem for you though not me um but it becomes a problem and and I meet men all the time that try to compete with me about money or what I do and it's like why does that have to be <laughs> why does that have to mm. be a petition because you know like I said, I feel like I was forced to be, I'm everybody's go-to person in my right. family. I'm everybody's go-to person when they need a ride or money. Um, but then at the same time, I'm always being talked about as, oh, well, she thinks she's white. She mm. thinks she's better than us. I get that from my immediate family all the time. Um, they think that I don't know that they have these opinions about me, but I know that they do. And they say it. Um and it's like, you know, 
it doesn't bother me anymore. But, but, you know, it used to because it what bothered me was that they equated someone wanting to be successful and not wanting to have um, the stereotypical um, black lifestyle, mm-hmm. uh, just not doing anything or just having a regular job. Or, you know, I don't drink and I don't smoke, so I get attacked for that. Oh, you think you're better because you don't drink or smoke. Right. How how do I think I'm better because I don't drink or smoke? It's just just like it's a choice for you to drink and smoke. It's a choice for me to not be a drinker and not be a smoker. So how does that equate to me thinking I'm better when those words never come out of my mouth? I don't walk around saying that. Mm -hmm. But that just lets me know that you think that I'm better than you, though, because you have you know, basically a poverty mindset and you don't see yourself stepping outside of the box and doing anything different. So Mm -hmm. try to project that onto me like I'm a problem when really that's a you problem, not a me problem. And I'm just not going to worry about that. And, you know, you just need to deal with that inside yourself. But uh, back to the male thing, I meet men all the time. They don't make much money or, um, because of my past situations, I choose to not date someone who doesn't make as much money as me or more money than me too. Um, so that, so that it's easier for me to weed out who really actually likes me or if they're just trying to uh, use me because I am resourceful and I do know how to make things happen. And that tend to happen to me a lot. Um, uh, oh, basically yeah, it ha- it's happened a lot. Mm. Um, and my ex-husband used to say certain things like when he would leave and disappear and be with other women. And then he'd come mm-hmm. back and say, hey, you know, you know, we need to get back together. I need a wife and a secretary. You know, these other women, they don't know how to make things happen like you do. Right. And I would be like, okay. um, hmm. interesting. Yeah. yeah. But um, I want to address something because I, I, I see um, some individuals in the chat room talking about nature. Um, that there is no equality in nature, um, it, but there's also no rule of law in nature. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? This is what happens when we try and use a template. It's the reason why we call the wild wild. So that's not an adequate example for this idea of supposed inherent male dominance. See, that's not a that's not a, an, an adequate example of that. Uh, just to build on that a little bit more. If you point to a species where the man, the male is in the dominant position, okay, fine. But then you would also have to do the same thing. You would have to make the same observation where the female of that species is in the dominant position, like hyenas, for example. See, so what you see is a representation of both. You still see a representation of both. See, what the problem is, is that we don't understand equality. We don't understand it. We think we understand it, but we don't. What you have. Hey, Remy. What you have is a division in the species where all the power isn't vested in one particular, isn't vested in one aspect. Separation, the uh, checks and balances, checks and balances, divided government brothers who want to push these tropes about patriarchy i'll ask i'll pose you a question give me one patriarchy that is a hundred percent male 
sisters who want to talk about this matriarchy as if they're supposed to be in a preeminent position over men. Give me one matriarchy that exists entirely of women. It's impossible. It's impossible. That's the point. The hierarchies that we understand are, number one, social constructs, and number two, they're familial. That's what I was just breaking down. We have to understand that. We think we understand equality. We don't. Because men can do more than women. But that's not to say that women should be relegated as a lower social class. That is absurd to assert that. And then when white men use these same ideas when it came to, to black men, you have a problem with it. But then you want to turn right around and use those same ideas to do it to, to your own woman. And, th and then wonder why <laughs> and then wonder why you're in a condition you're in when it comes to your woman. When it's obvious that that's not an, an that's not an adequate uh, social order because look at feminism. Look at feminism. That's not going to work. That is not going to work. We have to change our change our viewpoints on how, how we look at these words and these terms. There is no balance cannot exist in an unequal environment. See, so just because you can do more than the woman physically doesn't mean you're supposed to lord over the woman. That's not what that's for. Because even though you can lord over the woman, I mean, even though you can do more than the woman physically, you can't birth children. So you need her equally as much as she needs you. Unless you're suggesting that you're going to use the fact that you're bigger and stronger than her to rape her and this is and we know this is what patriarchal societies have done it's rape culture exactly but we want to act like what the feminists be saying is just made up fuck out of here man no i'm not going for that but anyway um let me let me let me get back to this sapphire caricature for a little while mm -hmm. and uh, i wanted to share the link but i i'm not i'm not real tech savvy so i don't know how to how to copy no, no, let's, let's keep talking mary is this is a, a, a street tonight i mean today okay so, anybody else that they'll, they'll ask in the chat room man you know, <laughs> all right um i'm gonna read a little bit more and then i i, I got i gotta give this other guy the email and um we can oh, deal with this really? ADOS problem he has but it says oh, really? it was not Huh? Oh, Cerulean? Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can give it to Cerulean. No, 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 um, no, no, no. Keep, keep talking. Keep talking. Go ahead. Okay. It was not until the Amos and Andy radio show that the characterization of African American women as domineering, aggressive, and emasculating shrews, excuse me, became popularly associated with the name Sapphire. The show was conceived by Freeman Godson and Charles Correll, two white actors who portrayed the characters Amos Jones and Andy Brown by mimicking and mocking black behavior and dialect. At its best, Amos and Andy was a situational com comedy. At its worst, it was an auditory minstrel show. The show with a mostly white cast aired on the radio from 1928 to 1960 with intermittent interruptions. The television version of the show with network television's first all black cast aired on CBS from 1951 to 1953 with syndicated reruns for 54 to 66. 
It was removed in large part through the efforts of the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People and the Civil Rights Movement. That's another uh, achievement of the Civil Rights Movement. Both as a radio show and television show, Amos and Andy was extremely popular, and this was unfortunate for African Americans because it popularized racial characters, caricatures of blacks. American learns that blacks were comical, not act, not as actors, but as a race. See that? So what they essentially do is they essentially outsource the inferiorization of of black people psychologically to black people. Where we where we we put these things out about ourselves, and so I just wanted to, I just wanted to deal with that. When when sisters have, you know, things to say to brothers, be more cognizant of of how you're communicating, because these stereotypes are, are still prevalent in society today, and unfortunately, a lot of times we engage in behaviors that reinforce these stereotypes, both as black men and black women. Um, let me try and get this this brother email. Um, Von Shay and Cass, what, what's what's y'all in the closing thoughts on that? I got to send this email. Uh, my closing thoughts is um, actually I don't have them right now. You go ahead. Um, <laughs> uh, not I think about it. What about you, Von Shay? Uh, yeah, no, I don't really have any closing thoughts neither. Um. You always okay. bring some. You always bring up some good points um, that make me think, and I'm sure everyone else who listens to you think as well. So I don't really have any. Appreciate that. Any, uh, uh, anything? Okay. All right. Well, I, I'm I'm dealing with uh, this brother who has a problem. <laughs> he has a problem with uh, with the video I did on the ADOS movement. Um, I to see that what were you talking about in there i'm just talking about the fact that uh that as ados americans we have a, we have a right to uh distinguish ourselves we have a right to make a make a a, a claim about reparations and being co- compensated for our heritage and for our lineage because sure. it, you know we exist in a in a continuum a racial social economic and political continuum like for me, like we, we like to talk as if these things are somehow relics of the past. Well, my, my pops was born in 1940. If Rod a straight baby boomer, I'm saying before they even start labeling it back on um, five years after the 40s. Right. And so he was born in this, he was born in a in the impoverished sharecropper south. So the, the the fact that he that he he died without anything to pass on is uh you know relevant because because of how white society maldistributed resources you see what i'm Mm. saying they maldistributed resources so this is why he didn't have anything to pass on see and see what white society likes to do is they like to uh you know portray this as if this is due to just black incompetence you see what I'm saying? When what they've done, they've used their unilateral control over what's up, blessed one, over the systems and apparatuses of American society to, in effect, engage in engage in welfare fraud. But then they want to turn. But then they want to turn around and vilify 
black people for not having what they have. You know, we all heard this speech about Martin Luther King while telling a Negro to, 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 to pull himself up by his own bootstrap. They flooded America with European peasants and then undergirded those peasants with an economic floor, an economic base. Mm-hmm. Land grant colleges, the GI Bill, all these different things. What's up, Art New Style? All these different things. So see, the, the, the white American middle class is is uh fading it's not not that it's fading it's a it's a government creation it's a shining indictment of the success of welfare white supremacy is welfare because you get unearned benefits that's the entitlement that's the entitlement see so now like Martin Luther King said, we coming for the check. We want our check. And 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 we're not disparaging other other ethnic groups who may be identified as black but don't have the American the, the American descendant of slaves lineage. What we're saying is stay out of our way. <laughs> you know, that's what we're saying. But they're not gonna stay out of the way because but that's they, the problem. They, 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 you know why? Mm-hmm. Because, like my good friend that's downstairs said it. They're getting it because of what we call the um, what's that thing again? Um, foreign aid. Exactly. America. And America gives out if we calculate all the foreign aid, I wouldn't surprise it reached a trillion or more. Right. Just yeah, that alone. Foreign aid is a they they give it they give t- trillions of dollars, and that's our money. We pay taxes. As as Americans, we pay taxes, man. You see what I mean? And then and then these, these individuals come from these other places and have the nerve to look down on us. When you your entire ride has been subsidized and financed by our money, by our ta- by our tax dollars. What's up, Remy Remy? You want the link? That sounds like the Burmese population here in my okay, well, here, here go here go my brother Monday. <laughs> and it, what's up, brother? What's happening, man? <laughs> I, I say, I say today, I really want to know what's happening. I, I really want to know, mm-hmm. you know, why is the uh, why is the so-called anti anti-black um, mm-hmm. non-AUS problem going on in the United States? So I, you know, I know, I know you are more educated that you know because um, sometimes it's a lot of ignorant AUS. So I, I just be blocking right. that. But you, I know you're more educated. We can we can definitely talk from an, from an educative perspective, right? Um, I, my my thing is this: I have no problem with my you know my my brothers who come from other places. That's not what the ADOS movement is about. What the ADOS movement is about is it, it's it's unfair to act like because they allow immigrants who are black from other places. It's unfair for us to act to pretend as if that's some form of compensation or reparations for our for our specific. Uh, there's an echo. That's not me. Which I which I which I understand that you know, because uh, from me speaking, I'm, I'm speaking from a, from a global perspective because I've been to almost almost four continents on this planet. You know, right. When it comes down to ADOS, I don't have I I I, I was I was steady for the record. I have no problem because um, when it comes down to all those genocides and holocausts that have been 
perpetrated amongst other people, Jewish, all those German and all this crazy, crazy stuff that happened in the past, they were all paid for it. You know, so I, I have no problem with ADOS getting that reparation because at the end of the day, right. slavery was barbaric. You know, it was inhuman. Yeah, I condemn yeah. that 100%. You know, so I have right, no right. problem with ADOS seeking for reparation because that is what is supposed to, that's, what, that's what's supposed to happen. You right, know, right. but the only time I have a problem is when ADOS have a problem with we that came, because me speaking from my own perspective from Nigeria, we love mm -hmm. Americans with passion. Mm -hmm. Like right. if you if you if you have a chance and you visit Nigeria, you wouldn't even want to come back to the United States because of how people because we know the history. We you know we don't even have to go to school to learn it. We go to uh we go to every slave dungeon as a vacation. Uh, what is it called uh where you take kids in, in school yeah, and yeah. go show them you know like a, a tour picnic or something like that. So we mm -hmm. all know the history of what happened to uh to the to the black people in Jamaica. Haiti, whatever, as long as they brought you over here, we know the history. So once we see anybody, be you Jamaican, Haitian, or whatever you're from, we, we gravitate towards you like a brother, you know? So right. I came over here with that mentality, thinking, uh, you know, uh, that's, how, that's how things go. So when I came here, I was resented, so I have to, I have to put up a shield and become, and become aggressive too, because that's the, that's the society that we're living in. You know, and uh, right, most right. people in Africa up to this day don't even understand. You know, not until right, they come right. over here and they come and, and they and they so and they and they you know get get a little bit grip of that feeling, then they're gonna put up a resentment too, because there is no way you're gonna love people who don't love you. It doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. You know, you can only you can only hold on for so long. But once you understand that this is how these folks think, this is how these folks think. You know, you're gonna get to a point where you're gonna say, "In fact, fuck you." You know. So I don't have no problem with ADOS, not at all, because you guys deserve it. But, right, you know, right. I keep going online and seeing all this Tariq and all this ADOS. All the main focus is anti-blacks who are not ADOS. And that is and, and, and that is really, really out of proportion. That's that's how I look at it, because if I have a problem with, with anybody, I'm, I'm going to face my problem. I don't have to look for, oh. Let, uh, the white people are too powerful. Let's look for the weaker people. You know, because that's that's how it looked. It, it seemed to me. That's how I feel. Well, let, let me let me address Tariq right fast. I'm a I'm a mute because you have a you have an echo. But let me address Tariq. Uh, I think I, I like Tariq Nasheed. Um, I think he's intelligent. I don't think he's a historian though. Uh, he has a lot to offer. But I also think that. Um, I think he's sincere to an extent, but I think that he's latched on to this ADOS movement because I've noticed the shift in his rhetoric, too. If you go back and you look at his rhetoric from a few years ago, he was more on a Pan-Africanist tip. Um, now he's he's I think he is going a bit overboard with demonizing, um, you know, uh, black people from other places. I'm not, I'm not anti-immigrant, but it becomes a problem when the Democrats um and their their shields use immigration as a means to undermine ados progress and, and and that's what the point i was making earlier we can't act as if because uh black people from other black people from other places immigrants come here and do well as if that's progress for ados americans see because the economic pie 
of American society is, is, is an infinite. It's a finite pie. It's a finite economic pie. And so when, 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 when you come here, it, let's not act like you're not taking food out of our mouths. And then, what and then what the dominant society will do is be like, well, look at look at those black people. They're doing this, this, and this, and this, and this. And then, but why can't you ADOS niggas do it? Well, the reason why you ADOS Negroes can't do it is because you're lazy, you're criminal, you're having all these kids out of wedlock, you're running around here with all these STD seals. So what they what essentially what they've done, they've weaponized your your immigrating over here. But personally, I have no problems with. My African brothers and sisters. My best friend is is from Trinidad. You know, he's a Trinidadian. And he came here. He came here from Trinidad uh, early two thousand. That's my best friend. So I have no problem with uh, you know with our brothers and sisters from other places. What we're talking about now is we're talking about a political movement. And so what happens? Many uh, non ADOS brothers and sisters have this sense of entitlement with it, where they can stick their nose into our political business. That's the problem. That's what we have a problem with. Uh, it, you know, just stay in the background and let, it, and let us, and let us handle what we're trying to handle because as you said, we deserve it. And we have a case for, for getting our, uh, our reparations. America has uh, paid reparations to every other group except black people. And so that's what that's what the ADOS movement is about. And when one thing I am working on is I'm trying to get uh, Yvette Carnell on my my podcast because she, you know, her and Antonio Moore were the founders of it. Um, and so I want to get get her on just to get more insight, um, more insight about it. But it's not a, it's not an anti-black immigrant movement. One thing we got to understand, too, is that immigration is, isn't just for black people. You have immigrants coming from Europe. You have immigrants coming from uh, from South America. You have European immigrants, Mexican immigrants, et cetera, et cetera. And so what, what they're doing is in the American political order, they're using these things to, to further push ADOS blacks to the margins. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. okay. You got, when it, wait, when wait, come, wait, wait, say something. You got to turn up your, your YouTube because that's what's bringing the feedback. Say that again. Have, yeah, if you have any other devices on, like the YouTube on running, turn it off right now. Turn right the feedback. I can see Yeah, you have an echo Monday. Oh. Uh, I don't. I, I don't really know. Probably because I'm. I'm speaking. Direct from, uh, I just clicked the link and I was just talking and, and I was online too. Let me see if the echo's there. No, the echo's still there. Yeah, it's it's going to be there. You, you might just jump out and jump out again. The computer will go here. It's going to be hard to hear you. I jump, jump out one day and then come back in. Um, Vanshe, what's your, what's your thoughts on the ADOS movement? Uh, <clears throat> my thoughts on that is. I do agree with um, mostly everything that you were saying and the points that you were making. Um, but I just feel like um, most people only want to um, have an opinion or support the movement if mm -hmm. they feel like they can get something out of it or benefit from it. Other than that, I feel like most people, they, they don't care. 
Right. And that's basically it in a nutshell. You know, I feel like a lot of people are opportunists um, mm. and look for um, different situations and uh, or whether it's a group of people or organization, um, I feel like they look for um, certain situations to help them benefit for whatever it is um, they feel that their rights are or whatever it is they feel like they uh, all right Monday you still got it man that, you're killing us with that uh, uh, are you using a phone or computer uh, what you say Monday I'm using a phone yeah that yeah that might I don't know why you have an echo. Yeah, because we got to point. Uh, we got to point Monday. Um, you know what? 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 Other people can do. They can play a supplementary role in us get in us getting what what we deserve. Um, and so, uh, you know that that's a, that's all it's about. It, it becomes it becomes more problematic when they interject themselves into our political affairs. With, with with our government and see our situation as ADOS Americans is 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 unique because we're the only group of people who are being oppressed by their home their home government based based along racial lines. Something I was mentioning earlier, I talked about the the set the high levels of hyper segregation that we still suffer from, and that hyper segregation goes plays a large part into into how many many of the problems we talk about play themselves out, whether we're talking about um, unemployment, uh, intimate partner violence, um, STDs, abortions. Uh, see, it's, 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 it's not a mistake that they put abortions um, in predominantly black areas. I mean, abortion clinics like Planned Parenthood in predominantly black areas. So uh, so I, so we get we get your point. Um, I'm about to get off of here because I've been on here longer than what I wanted. Um, I hope that I brought a level of insight when dealing with the dilemmas of black manhood and black womanhood. This is going to, uh, this is going to be like a, a series I'm going to do. Um, and, and, and I'll, uh, I'll hop back and forth between a dilemma that black men face and then a dilemma that black women face. So today we focused on, um, we focused on the sapphire, sapphire caricature of the angry black woman that that uh black women are faced with that stereotype that stigma um next sunday i'll deal with the brute caricature the way that black men are portrayed and how this goes a long way into rendering black men as invisible when it comes to being victims are we victims can we be victims are we perceived as victims and how this has an effect and a counter effect in our communities with our with our sisters between black men and black women. So that's what I'm going I'm going to be doing um next Sunday. I appreciate everybody for, you know, for tuning in. Hit like, share, subscribe, share the content. Um you know, we we we're, we're we're on a mission to bring um a better class of revolutionary, a better um mode of revolutionary thought, operating in nuance, not being overly ideological, emotional, but being logical reasoned um patient and dissecting these issues down from a place of a, of objectivity and not personalizing any issue to bring light to those who who want to see the light so with that i'm going to end the stream again we'll be on later on um 
later on this evening at 7 30 on our blog talk show is going to be me uh my brother chaos rain and my two new co-hosts Von Shay and Nikki, the sister cousins. Wait, wait, what, what you said it was? Von Shay, sister cousins from around the way or something? I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, uh, you know, because uh, my cousin, she's my cousin, but she's more like my sister. Right. And we will be everyone else's sister cousins, and we will be giving y'all that game. Okay, yes, yes, uh, yes, yes, ma'am. That's what it's about. Y'all know what it is. Make Black America great again or die trying. Peace. Mm-hmm.